Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? All the time. Every day, every day. Man, there's something powerful about declaring who Jesus is, what Jesus done. There's something powerful about letting our words come into alignment with who God is. I love it. I love it. Father, I pray right now that you'll have your way today as we transition in worship from a time in song to a time of worship in your word. I pray that you continue to move in hearts. I pray that you continue to glorify your name. I pray that you continue to open doors of ministry into hearts and minds that might have been closed before we started. And Lord, I pray that we walk out of here challenged and changed by you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I say this all the time, but there are two times to praise God when you feel like it and when you don't. And because uh, he's worthy of praise, he's worthy of praise. I've been thinking about a joke all week. And I told it to Amy like four times. And as soon as I walked up on stage, I forgot it. So uh, I can't think of one right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm breaking with my tradition of opening with a stupid joke, but if it comes back to me, I'm going to stop my message and sell it, because it was really fun. Amy didn't think it was funny, but I laughed and laughed and laughed when I heard it, and Amy's like, you're an idiot. Not really. She would never actually say that loudly in front of the children, um, <laughs> but today, today we're going to launch in to... Uh, we're, we're not launching. We're, la- we're launching into what God says about marriage. And we're still in a series called Declaration. And I'm really excited about this. Now I remember. Okay. All right. All right. Woo! See, that's the Holy Spirit. Husbands, next time your wife has a knife in her hand, walk up with a jar of mayonnaise and toss it at her. And her womanly instincts will kick in and she'll make you a sandwich. I'm just joking. You'll get stabbed. Don't do that. You will get stabbed. If your wife has a knife in your, her hand and you throw mayonnaise at her, you're going to get stabbed. So I was like, man, it works together with marriage. And um, All right. No, I, I'm excited to talk about marriage. I, I haven't been married all that long. It's eight years going on eternity. And... Um, no, I, I love I love marriage. It's the best thing, really. Um, I think it's one of the greatest gifts that God's ever given uh, mankind. And quite frankly, it's the first institution God ever set up. Marriage is the first institution God set up. He spoke world into existence. He formed man, and then he set up the institution of marriage. He set it up before the law. He set it up before religion. He set it up before the family, and he set it up before the church. And marriage is such 
a powerful thing to God and an important thing to God that he chose to, to, to describe his relationship with his church as a bride and a bridegroom. That's how serious marriage is. He could have used any other example to show the intimacy between Jesus and the church, the relationship, the closeness, the fondness, the love, but he chose marriage because God loves marriage. He loves it. And God defines it. God defines marriage. He, he established it right there in the book of Genesis and didn't change throughout the Bible. And what, what happens a lot of the times, people think that they need to edit God. God doesn't need an editor, FYI. He has the Holy Spirit. That's all the editor God needs. But today, we're not talking about marriage in that light. God establishes marriage. He loves marriage. But we're going to talk about what God says about marriage. And truly, probably the biggest scriptures, there's so many scriptures about marriage, but the ones that come to mind first is out of Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read that here in a moment. And everyone instantly, this is probably the most misused and misquoted sections of scripture about marriage in Husbands use it either sarcastically or seriously. When we read it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, husbands say that all the time because they're morons, whether they're joking or not. Um, but we're going to talk about this. We're going to break it down. I pray that not, not all husbands are morons. I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. I'm still learning. Uh, I am. I know I, 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 I could fit that bill quite often. Um, but... Today, I want us to look at what God says about marriage and the seriousness and what we can do. So if you are married, this message is for you. If you're not married, you are married. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, Jesus is your husband. So this message is for you. And if you're not in a relationship with Jesus and you will be married or you're not married and you're not really, this message is still for you. There's stuff in here that will draw us closer to Jesus because earthly marriage is just but a reflection of, of our marriage to Christ. It's, it can either be a really good reflection, but it still just scratches the surface of intimacy that Christ has to the church, or marriage could be a really bad reflection of Christ's marriage to the church. And some in here have experienced a really bad reflection of that. But I pray that today we walk out of here in intimacy with Christ and understanding how marriage should work in our life in, in the grand view of how Jesus treats his bride. And so we're going to be looking at two scriptures out of 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 and 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. And this is, I want this to be our foundation for when we get into Ephesians chapter 5. Okay? Because the Bible reaffirms the Bible, and it backs up the Bible, and the Bible gives clarity to the Bible. And when we look at the sections of Scripture that can often be misused or misquoted, we need to look at it in the grand scope of the narrative of the Bible and what God is saying. So we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And if it's not on the screen, we're going to take and just read it anyways. I so it says, this is real love. 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. So it says, this is real love. I want us to get this. This is real love. Not that we love God first. We didn't love God first, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. So and then 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it says this. We love each other because he first loved us. We love each other because he first loved us. So Paul, or not Paul, John is getting at the source of love. If we pull love from any other source other than God, we will run out very quickly. And he's actually establishing the base root of why we love God. We love God because he loves us. Like when the, the closer you get to God, you understand the, the many nuances of his love and how deep and how amazing, how, how vast and how far and how, how um, awesome his love for us is. And, and when we first get saved, we just know that saving love. But the more you pursue Jesus, you understand how good his grace is and how amazing and how deep and like, wow, we really can't outrun the love of God. Like Paul says in Romans chapter 8, there's nothing that can separate us from, and we start understanding the love. And the more we understand the love of God, the more we want to love God. The more we, we, we understand how much God loves us, the more we want to love him. And the more we want to love him deeply, not just like a surface level, level, I love you. And so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5 with that as our foundation. And this is a scripture that I think we all need to read out loud. This is Paul speaking to husbands and wives. And he says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's just say it together. And hold on. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before Paul gets into individual roles and marriage and all this stuff, he lets the baseline of marriage and honestly, relationship with Christ, because marriage is but a reflection of Christ's relationship with the church, is submission. So what did Jesus do? Jesus submitted himself. He subjected himself to a mortal body, to death. He, the Bible says to, to slavery, honestly. He laid down his deity for 33 years, and he subjected himself to life as we know it, to associate with us. So he was submitting to the church to have a relationship with the church. Not that we loved him first, but he first loved us, right? He loved us first and gave himself up as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. He submitted first. So with that said, we go to the next verse. And husbands have used this verse out of context for hundreds of years, probably since it was written. I imagine when Paul wrote this and the first guy used it out of context, Paul was going, you idiot. Like, 
you're not reading the whole, ch- like, come on, man. And it says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Keep going. We don't want to stay there long. <sighs> for husbands, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. He's not saying multiple wives. He's addressing a group. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way husbands, you ought to love uh, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife is actually shows love to for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. I want to give you two thoughts today. What does God say about marriage? And ultimately, what does God say about our relationship with him? So the first thought I want to give to you. Submit. It's right out of scripture. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So a husband has actually more responsibility in the marriage. In a society that constantly is saying equal roles, equal, 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 but they're, they're equal in value, but they're not equal in responsibility. A husband has greater responsibility to his wife than the wife does to her husband. That's why... A husband is supposed to submit, not just the wife. Before he says, wives, submit to your husbands, what did he say? Submit to one another. A wife is supposed to submit to her husband, but in the context of a husband loving his wife. So it's kind of an interesting concept. And there is a book that came out several years ago called The Five Love Languages. And I really love that book. Because early on in my marriage, Amy and I were butting heads, and she has a much harder head than me, so I was getting a lot of bruises. And no, I'm joking. We both have a hard head. And we were butting heads, and my pastor let me borrow this book, The Five Love Languages, and we both read it. And we discovered something about how we receive love, because everyone receives love differently. And how I receive love is completely different than how Amy receives love. And, and I discovered that Amy's, like, number one way of receiving love is, like, gifts and acts of service. So what it means is she wants me to constantly serve her and also spend a lot of money on her. And that's how she receives love, though. And as her husband, um, go back, that's my second point, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. As her husband, I got to submit to how she receives love the most. And then her third love language is quality time. And then her fourth love language is, I believe, 
oh, I forgot. I think it's physical touch where like, uh, or no, it's words of affirmation and then it's physical touch. For me though, on the other hand, my first love language is like physical touch. Like every other man in the world, our first love language is physical touch. We just love snuggles. I love snuggling with my kids. Like I just want to hug them and smooch their cheeks all the time because that's how I express love. That's how I receive love. I love hugging and holding my wife. Um, my second love language is words of affirmation. And wh- what it looks like is I could tell Amy all day long, honey, I love you. I love you. I love you with all my heart. I like to her. She's like, thanks. Like, are you done? Like, cause like that really, that like she, she, she's more like, Hey, words are cheap. You know, show me you love me for me. Like if she says, honey, I love you. I'm like, Oh, Thank you. Oh my goodness. Oh, like, like, like when she said, or she just walks up and just gives me a hug. I'm like, oh, this is nice. But I walk up and give her a hug. She's like, are you done touching me? Like, but I got to tell you though, if, if I bring her flowers, if I bring her flowers and a cup of coffee and she, and she wasn't expecting it and she's like, honey, thank you so much. Like seriously. I needed that, and you have no idea. And, like, if, if she or, – or if I if I go into the kitchen and, like, do the dishes, and obviously we both we both live there, so we both have responsibilities in the house. But what I'm getting at is um, a lot of times she's so amazing, she gets it done, and I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? I'm just standing here awkwardly. And – but if I go do that and um, – She's just like, thank you. Like this acts of service or, or um, just quality time. Going on a hike, we both love that. That's like number three for both of us is quality time. We both love quality time. But our, our, our opposite, we're, we're opposite too because words of affirmation don't, don't really do anything for, for Amy. That doesn't really show love. But she tells me, out like, if I hear I love you from her, it's, it's like – Yes, I'm doing my job right. Um, if, if she gives me a hug, I'm like, I'm my my husband game is super strong right now, and but like from for me, for 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 me to walk up and randomly hug her, it just she appreciates it because she knows that's how I express love. But for instance, this week I always joke that the Lord won't let me be a hypocrite about what I'm preaching about. So I come to the church on Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'm, I said I got to get my I got to get my sermon done. So I'm walking in here, praying, and I always pray before I write my message. And I'm walking. I, I do miles in here. I, I, I do loops, man. And um, one day we're gonna have to replace the carpet because of the loops I do. And sometimes, yeah, it gets, it gets crazy, me and Jesus. And but. As I'm praying, about to go write my message about marriage, Amy texts me like, hey, I got, a, I got a scratch in my throat. Can you get me some cough drops? So my first thought was, I need to get my message done about marriage. I'll just, I'm like, I'm like absolutely, I'll pick some up. I'll absolutely, I'd love to pick them up for her. Um, I really do. I, I, I don't mind that at all. But then I started thinking, Ryan, when you have a scratchy throat and nothing can get rid of it but a cough drop, you, you know what I'm talking about. You get, 
Like you could drink tea, you could drink stuff, it momentarily relieves it, but then you just can't get rid of that scratchy throat. That's the most annoying thing in the world. So I was like, no, no. I'm, it's better for me to serve my wife than write a message about marriage. So I locked up the church, and I went and got cough drops. I went and got flowers. I went and got decaf coffee because um, if she gets caffeinated that late, she will not go to sleep. And I brought it to her. And um, she, and then she's like, I didn't expect you to leave early. I'm like, but you needed this. And, and, and it meant a lot for her. Like, it just like, she's like, thank you so much. And, but all the love languages, physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, it's a struggle for me. And, and, and it's a, a lesson for me to learn to love my wife the way she serves it. And that, that's submitting to her. And the same vice versa, it, she has to submit to me because it's not natural for me to love that way. My natural inclination is to say, I love you. I love you. I love you. That's why I say it at the end of every message before you guys go, I love you. I really love you. It's not just something I say. I really mean that because I love words of affirmation like that. And I love physical touch. That's why I'm a hugger, man. I'm like, let's get these hugs in. Like, dude, COVID didn't almost kill me. But not hugging people almost killed me. I'm like, oh. Amy's like, freedom. Freedom. Like, every, like all the women's like, that's right. That's right. Um, but it's submitting. And one thing that is the first and foremost love language, though, before physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service and gifts it's servanthood if you don't have a servant's heart you won't do anything in the bible there's one love language and it's called serving and paul leads with it husbands and wives and people period whether you're in a relationship or not submit Go back. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's servanthood. Christ modeled this. Christ modeled this first. It's not that we loved him first, but he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Submit to one another. Submit. It's servanthood. You cannot walk out I, I cannot love my wife the way she receives love if I'm not willing to serve her. And that means laying down pride. There is this thing in marriage called the crazy cycle. And, and essentially, if a woman does not feel loved, she does not give respect. And if a husband does not feel respected, he will not give love. And so it gets into this crazy cycle, and what it takes is one person in that saying, no, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and I'm going to serve and either respect or love. If you're, if you're the wife, it's, I'm going I'm to humble myself 
forgive and I'm going to respect my husband whether he loves me. If, you're, if it's the husband in the relationship, I'm going to humble myself, forgive, maybe even ask for forgiveness and love my wife despite how she treats me or respects me. And that's how the crazy cycle breaks. But it takes humility. And servanthood always takes humility. You cannot love your spouse or any other person the way they receive love if you are not willing to humble yourself and serve. You can't do it. Because a person that doesn't want to serve is a person that has probably a lot of pride in their heart. They think the world revolves around them. And it doesn't. And it... I'm not, and I, I don't want to paint the picture of a, of a perfect marriage. I have an amazing wife. She's not perfect, and she has an okay husband. I'm definitely not perfect. But I will say that walking into it saying, i got to humble myself before the Lord, he served me first. He loved me first, and because he loved me first, I can serve my wife. I can love my wife because of his love for me. It changes the dynamic. Um, and and I got to be honest, I, I, I'm one that doesn't have a lot of sympathy. Amy's actually not even here this morning. Um, and that's why I can get away with saying so much stuff. <laughs> no, uh, she's not feeling well. And um, like we handle sickness completely different. Like, I'm that person, when I get sick, I'm taking everything possible. If I have one symptom, I'm like, just, just give me it. Give me, give me the medicine. I want to get over this. I'll pump my body so full of stuff that I, I won't get sick for a year and a half. Um, Amy, on the other hand, like, she won't, she won't hardly take medicine. And she'd rather sit there and be miserable. I'm like, just take some medicine and not be miserable. And so, like, I'm, I'm of the mindset of, like, I'm not going to have any sympathy if you're not going to help yourself. By golly! And, like, it just irritates the fire out of me. But then I have to go back, and I've gotten better. I used to say stuff like that, and I don't say that anymore. I actually, the Lord's really been, probably the last four years, like, serve. Serve. Even though I might still think it, I'm not perfect. But I'm like, I'll, I'll say stuff, honey, what can I get you? How can I help you feel better? And even this morning, um, she's like, you can't get me anything. So I, I went and got her like some body armor because she's dehydrated. And so she could drink that and just, but she won't drink and all this stuff. So I'm like, have a funnel and a force feed. I'm just joking. I'm not doing that. But even at that, there's servanthood. And it's the root cause of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because at the end of the day, when I, when I serve my wife, however, if it's giving her a gift, if it is just spending time with her, if it's, um, gosh, just sitting in the same room and not talking, sometimes she likes that. Whatever that looks like, at the end of the day, it's actually submission to Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what God says. This is the root of marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
And my second thought is this. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. I used to think, this is really unfair. This is really unfair. How come the husbands get more commands here? You know, in the, in the society where everyone wants everything equal and there's more responsibility. I, I honestly used to think that until I started to understand 1 John chapter 4. It says, not that we love Christ first, but he first loved us and sent his son. And so in the context of that, I want us to read Husbands Love Your Wife. The command for the wife to love the husband is wrapped up in the husband's command to love his wife. If you husbands or future husbands love your wife the way Christ loves the church, her natural response is, I can't help but love him. If you love your wife properly, she will love you more. And too many husbands have got stuck on submit, and they never understood love. The more I I understand the love of Christ in my life, the more I want to put myself out there for him. The more I want to, to, to do whatever he tells me to do, the more I want to submit because he loves me so much. If you, guys, if you understood what he saved me from, if you understood what he did in my life, I can't help but say, God, I love you. Father, I love you. I can't help but go after him. It compels me to love him. Not that I first loved him, but he first loved me. It compels me to love him. It compels me to serve him. When I don't feel like serving him, I remember his great love for me. I remember how much he served me. I remember what he did for me. Then it makes me want to serve him all the more. It makes me want to obey him all the more. When I understand the context, it's not that I first loved God, but he first loved me and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for my sin. And so when Paul says, husbands love your wives as Christ the church, He's saying, you got to love your wife with a no-strings-attached love. And when you do that, the natural response is love. The command for the wife to love her husband is wrapped up in the command for the husband to love his wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. This is what God says about marriage. Submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's not contingent on whether he loves you, FYI. It's not. Because you submit as unto Christ. But at the same time, husbands... We are called to love with the no-strings-attached love. We are called to serve with the no-strings. He's literally saying, look at how Christ served the church. And let that be your baseline. That's a big command. It's no-strings-attached. 
whether you ever get respected, whether you ever feel loved or not. For the first four years of my marriage, man, and Amy probably felt the same way. I, I honestly, like, I knew she loved me, but I didn't feel loved. And probably the same way until we realized, wait a second, she receives love different than how I, I receive love, and my natural reaction is to give her love the way I receive love. So I receive love through hugs and words of affirmation, so I want to say I love you and give her hugs. And she receives love through gifts and um, quality time. And so she had to overcome herself to say, you know, I'm going to speak life into my husband. And I'm going to love him the way he receives love. And I had to overcome myself, submit to one another to love her. It's like, I'm like, okay, I, I try not to have a time in our life where we don't have flowers on the table. I try to always keep flowers on the table. I try to several times a, a, a month just get her little somethings. If it's just a cup of coffee just out of the blue or a bubble tea or um, a jump rope because she'll talk about stuff. I try to make them, if she keeps talking about something over and over, I'm like, okay, make a mental note, make a mental note, and then I'll forget. But like six or seven or nine, to two years later, I'll remember, oh, yeah, she wanted that. Um, but I have to remember, i got to love her the way she receives it. It's submit to one another. And suddenly, like, we feel loved. But it's because God first loved us. And we love out of that love. Not I, I never want to be guilty of loving my wife out of the love that she pours into me. Because we're going to run out of water. We're going to run out of love. We're going to run out. If, if she's pouring it in and I'm pouring it back, pouring it in, pouring it back, that's not how it works. We love one another because he first loved us. So God pours love in. And regardless of whether she pours love in, I pour love out. And God pours love into her. And regardless of whether she, I pour love in, she pours love out. Because the source of our love is never, the source of our love is never each other. The source of our love is God. We love one another because God first loved us. This is what God says about marriage. Husbands, you have such an amazing, amazing opportunity. Wives, we have such an amazing opportunity to love one another, to submit to one another. And honestly, if, if you're not married, you have such an amazing opportunity to submit to Christ the same way. Because marriage is but a poor reflection. It's but a poor reflection of our relationship with Christ. And if you're here, honestly, my goal isn't to make marriages better. That's the Holy Spirit's job. My goal here today is actually to get us to walk out of here more in love with Jesus. And when we fall more in love with Jesus, it enriches every relationship of our life. Whether it's to your kids whether it's to your spouse, whether it's to your parents, whatever it looks like, your siblings, friends. And so with this, I, I want to come in line with what God says. We, that's where the power of declaration is. You could go around, name it, claim it, and I'm not saying you should. I don't think that's healthy Christianity. But when we come in line with what God is declaring, what God's already said in his word, then suddenly there's power 
There's restoration. There's health. There's healing. There's miracles. There's provision. Because God's already said it. And I want us to come in line with what God is saying. And ladies, I have a declaration for you. I asked Amy to be here today to say it, but she wasn't feeling well. So I'm going to skip a few things. Like I want you to read it out loud. I'm just not going to say it because I'm not a daughter or a wife. And I'm not going to declare that over my life because there's too many of that actually going around in our society. So I'm not, I'm not declaring that. Um, but I have a declaration for the ladies, and I have a declaration for the men. All right? Let's throw up the first declaration. This is out of our, Amy and I have a personal declaration that we say over our life. I gave you part of it last week. And this is Amy's portion of it um, this week. And this, I want you to say it with me, ladies. And then I'm going to skip daughter and all the gender exclusive statements. But it says, I am the daughter of the king of all kings. Because of Jesus, I lack nothing. God has given me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. I speak encouraging, life-giving words and build others up to my children, friends, and those I don't know. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will not compare myself to other. God made us all beautifully unique. I will hold myself to God's standards and measure myself with grace. I will give love and laugh rather than fight and complain. I will refuse to waste my life on meaningless things. I will act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. Through Christ, I am strong, gentle, fierce, and compassionate. I will fight the good fight for what matters most. Men, are you ready? The women, the women did a pretty good job. So we let the ladies go first. Now we're going to, I want us to hear. I want, I want us to declare this, men. If, you, if, you're, if you're not a husband in those moments or a wife in those moments, still declare it because you're technically still married to Christ. So, so let's, let's go to the men. I am the son of the king of all kings. Come on, men. We could do better. Let's start over. I, I, I want us to declare this. Declaration. Declaration. I am the son of the king of all kings. I lay down my pride and selfishness, giving all glory to the one true God. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. I love my family, my wife, and children like Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her. I fight for purity, guarding my eyes and heart from tempting situations. I seek friendships with other godly men to sharpen my perspective. I wait for God, come on, I wait for God to open the right doors and take action when he does. I am not defined by my failures or successes. I am defined by God and God alone. I finish what I start. I never give up. I will act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with my God. Through Christ, I am strong, gentle, fierce, and compassionate. I am a warrior. I stand firm even when the pain is crippling. 
because God is my strength. I will fight the good fight for what matters most. That's right. That's who you are. That's what God is going to do. Declare. Declare. Submit. Father, I pray right now, today, Lord, I pray that you do minister in marriages. But at the end of the day, Lord, let us submit to you, first and foremost, as our bridegroom, to say, Lord, whatever, whenever, to whoever, Lord, we are yours and you are ours. And Lord, let us remember that you loved us first. And Lord, I pray that every couple in here will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I pray right now that you will enrich every marriage and every future marriage. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll bring healing. Bring healing. Lord, I thank you that you gave practical instruction for marriages. I thank you that you love marriage. I thank you that you chose to say, no, the church is my bride, and I will do everything for her. So Lord, let us walk out of today more like who you are. Let us keep declaring what you say about us and not what we say about us. And Lord, let us be willing to serve and submit to you however you would lead us to. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.